Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, I'm going to be talking with Paul Savis. He's the executive director of the Trike Theater in Bentonville, Arkansas. It's a theater for kids. And among other things, we're going to talk about how theater training is beneficial for any kid, no matter what profession they choose when they get older. Paul is also an actor. He's been in many stage performances. So we're going to keep the conversation pretty much on the theater and kids and acting, although we might veer off into some politics you never know no promises but before we get into our conversation the start me up podcast is independent listener funded and woman run visit patreon.com slash start me up to see the variety of tiers offered including the option to get two bonus what's up episodes per week kind of like my online journal where i get a little more personal and talk about whatever is on my mind there's also an ad free tier with a much shorter intro just visit patreon.com dot com slash start me up now please enjoy my conversation with paul savis welcome to the show paul oh my gosh <laughs> it is so great to be here this is going to be fun yes they oh well you're welcome and this is going to be fun you know just for the audience we've we've been uh, friends we've known each other for i don't know like since early 2000s and we haven't talked too much just, you know, outside of social media, but we know each other through a friend and um, I've followed your career. I think you're really interesting. And I'm so I, I, I came across, I believe it was like a news clipping uh, or not a clipping, mm-hmm. but a, a news video where you're being interviewed about the trike theater. So I'm going to ask you about that. But what, oh, you, <laughs> what you said about it really piqued my interest. And it was just about how kids can benefit no matter what they do later in life from, mm-hmm. um, you know, theater training. So I just right. want you to talk a little bit about the trike theater and then we'll get into the details of it. Yeah, you got it. Uh, trike theater. Uh, th- thanks for um, uh, the question, Kimberly. Mm-hmm. Trike theater. Trike theater is uh, is so named because uh, we have three main program types: uh, productions, outreach programs, and academy programs. Real quick, academy programs are after school uh, uh, training in theater skills. Outreach programs are residencies and schools, and then the production programs are are shows for kids and their families. Um, and sometimes the kids are in the shows um and and so we give children the opportunity to learn about theater see theater and then do theater now um theater is the vehicle Mm -hmm. um uh, really they're learning uh social emotional uh skills that they're 100 percent gonna bring Mm -hmm. to whatever endeavor they do you know discipline (laughs) <laughs> working with a team, yeah. you know, creative problem solving. These skills port everywhere. Yeah. I, I remember um, I used to work uh, for a different theater company on the East Coast, and 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 there, the the corporate sort of uh, big uh, you know behemoths were BMW and Michelin. They had their North American headquarters there. And and whenever I talked to like their HR executives, I would always ask, "What kind of what kind of person do you want to hire?" Mm-hmm. And they always like to a person. And the same thing happens here because here where I live now is the home of uh, is the 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 HQ of uh, of Walmart. Um, <laughs> is they always say, "Well, well, Herb." Herb, the guy that, uh, at Michelin, he said, "We I can we can teach anybody." how to make a tire Mm -hmm. what we can't teach is creative problem solving Mm -hmm. working with a team Mm -hmm. self-confident you know all of these things that 
kids and adults get when they engage in the theater. Mm -hmm. So I always tell these, uh, um, the HR executives that they're looking to hire um, theater people. Wow. Because those skills are, you know, they port to just about anything anybody wants to do. Yeah. You name it. That's fascinating. And, you know, I will double down on that because for 10 years I was an actor and it helped me when I was in sales, I went into sales after I stopped acting and now Got doing it. what I'm doing as a podcaster, author and activist, uh, certainly helps me in, you know, when I s- spoke in front of all kinds of people at the Capitol building, it, it gave me that opportunity. I was already in front of people and I, I, of course you get a little nervous when you're doing things like that, but you have the tools and the understanding of how to overcome it. And Absolutely. yeah, it doesn't look like you're nervous, even if you are. Absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 you know, now that I'm a dad, mm-hmm. I'm also like teaching about like courage and fear. Mm-hmm. Right. And you bring it up. It's stage fright, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're not, you're not without it. You know, right. you courage is not bravery is not the absence of fear. Right. Mm-hmm. Ask any freaking soldier. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's having the skills and the confidence um, to just move forward and and pivot if you need to. And I think that that's one of the skills, too, that we really um, uh, teach is that flexibility that is born in improv situations. Right. When you're when you're when you're doing uh, when you're when you're in front of a capital this capital steps and you're rallying a crowd and something happens that that you have to be able to mm-hmm. incorporate that mm-hmm. take the conversation in a different turn or or take it in a turn that is unexpected whatever you need to be able to think on your feet yeah and that's one of the things that we that we really teach uh teach kids um and and we're also we also um, we work with a terrific marketing team and, uh, and one of their, their recent, um, uh, additions to how we talk about ourselves is, is we help kids understand they're great and it's the, they are, but then also the T H E I R great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we really help kids understand their own voice have the confidence in speaking, speaking their own voice. Um, so, so um, uh, that's really exciting to yeah. see kids kind of emerge, especially those kids that, you know, every once in a while we get one of those kids that's already out of their shell, right? Mm-hmm. Or already really, really uh, confident, but it's so wonderful. And it's great to see them thrive, obviously. It's also so great to see those kids who are um, in a shell or in a bubble or something oh, yeah. just kind of like peek out at you <laughs> with, with these skills that you're able to give them. Um, wow. So that's what we do. Now, let me ask you, as far as being executive director, what does that mean for you? Like, what do you, I'm just curious about what you do there. So I'm I'm the guy that um, gets the blame when <laughs> things go sour, and I am the guy who um, is is not given the accolades when things go well. <laughs> right. Aww. So 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 I I I'm, I make sure that we um, are on a uh, you know the fun stuff that I do. But let me let me start with the not fun stuff. Okay. I don't want to end on the not fun. <laughs> right. Stuff. The not the not fun stuff that I do is I manage the reporting, right? Uh-huh. So audits, census stuff, 
um, uh, you know, all the financial reports, uh, all of the reports to funders and this kind of stuff. Right. Um, I also make sure, you know, my, my signature's on all the checks. So mm-hmm. I make sure everything gets paid. I mm-hmm. d- deal with vendors and at, at blah, 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 blah. Right. I make sure that if the, if the, and every once in a while, you know, I'm plunging a toilet, right? All of this kind of stuff. <laughs> the real fun stuff is making sure that that the the company's strategic position is right, that its strategic plan is moving in lockstep with the community's strategic plan, <laughs> and making sure that we we you know our programs are as excellent as possible and making sure that our people have what they need in order to 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 execute their programs to the best of their ability and sometimes that's just a function of money but sometimes that's a function of of sort of the the more human management uh training so mentoring sorts of things so teaching our uh, younger staff members how to how to navigate situations, how to deal with each other, how to develop programming, um, and then and then also making sure that that uh, we have a board that reflects our community, have a board that's active in mm-hmm. fundraising, mm-hmm. Um, have a board that um, is not you know is active in the right ways. You don't want a board that's into the. De- too too far into the details just because it becomes cumbersome but you want them to do proper oversight um so so all of that strategic stuff and sort of guidance and shepherding of the organization and making sure that the teams have what they need to excel uh that's the real fun stuff Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's sometimes that's really hard because you know we are a not for not for profit theater company yeah. right we uh we we um uh often um are strapped for cash hmm. and you know we can't we are unable to pay people what we wish we could pay people right and um and you know in northwest arkansas it's like you know maybe the same everywhere really but in northwest arkansas it's not a terribly cheap place to live hmm. Um, it's a great place to live, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily a cheap place to live. So, you know, it's really just trying to balance the, uh, um, uh, the, the company in a healthy way. And, and, you know, after the, after, you know, when COVID happened, mm-hmm. um, we really, and, and then the murder of George Floyd, we really, really buckled down on values, mm-hmm. right. And making sure that, that we were living our values, which for a large part we were. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and one of the things that we really, really, not because we weren't doing it, but it was in that time, it was, you know, when we really couldn't do much because yeah. if you didn't know the business model of a theater is to cram as many people <laughs> that you can into a small space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So we couldn't really do a ton of other things and but we could action on on, you know, culture. And we really took a deep dive in that. And one of the things that we said, look, we're really good at this and we're just going to get even better was really taking care of our people and really um, uh, where, you know, which we couldn't in terms of just giving people more money, mm-hmm. but we could do better at creating a much better work life balance. So mm-hmm. I protect our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes I protect our team from saying from themselves because everybody <laughs> wants to overachieve, right? Yeah. It's just like, no, you just need to 
quit with the hours this week. Right. Just go home. Right. Right. Wow. Um, so that's that's my job. Interesting. I love it. <laughs> now, okay, we're we're seeing out in the real world, we're seeing a lot of like book bans and <laughs> anti-trans um, yeah. rhetoric and all of that stuff. Yeah. So I'm just you know taking that into account and. Obviously, because you are an actor and you are a director of a theater, you do understand the importance of the arts. But I just kind of want you to talk about that a little bit, even though the audience here is liberal and probably yep. already understands it. But um, it is so imp it is so important to have creativity, to celebrate creativity. And it seems like there are certain people in this country who just don't want to do that. And I want you right. to speak to why that isn't so great. Um. I am astonished at where we are yeah. culturally, you know, mm -hmm. um, like, as you say, most of your uh, audience probably is. It's dumbfounding mm -hmm. to me that that people want to um, make fewer available perspectives mm -hmm. to be exposed to. Yeah. Um, um, that people want to ban expression and and it seems to be that you know part of the greatness of our country is just the exact opposite mm -hmm. of that it is to enjoy more perspectives to be exposed to more perspectives mm -hmm. the vibrancy and the and the creativity in any sphere in any industry that that comes from the exposure to differences is 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 bankable not only is yeah. it a, is in me a good moral thing right i mean if yeah. if you can't convince somebody about the morality of something convince them about the economics of it right, right yeah and it, it's an economically brilliant thing <laughs> <laughs> that 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 i don't understand i you know i I just, I guess, I just think that a lot of people just want to um, live in the wild west. I suppose <laughs> I just don't, I don't get it. But that's not what you asked me to talk about. <laughs> it is vitally important that. So here's a, here's another example. When we throw a bunch of people together on a team to create a play, part of what you're doing is you're putting together people to come at a problem in different ways, mm -hmm. right? And so if they're all coming at that, coming at a problem in the from the same perspective, there it might as well be a one person show, right? Right. But you the you 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 become very you become reliant on everyone else's perspective to help make yours the best that yours can be. Um, so I just think that that, um, uh, that sort of framework, that, you know, way of operating translates into the, into the main, into the, into the quote unquote real world, um, in such a positive way. Um, so, so when people are banning books, we, we, we step up and we are, you know, uh, make it very clear that this is an absurdity and, a, and an affront to mm -hmm. who we are. We do the same when, when there are anti-trans, um, eruptions mm -hmm. in our community, which we really, you know, touch wood, 
yet haven't really seen mm-hmm. um and there and there is a really great um a drag fashion show that happens once a year um which uh stopped happening um with covid and i hope my buddy um um uh i gotta talk to him about that because <laughs> yeah. i i don't i don't know if he's done one since covid wow yeah we need to do that again and um and uh and get the press there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What would you yeah. say, what would you say in what you do? Um, because the next thing I want to talk to you about is just you. So this is the last question on what you're doing, but what is the most, it's two part. What's the most fun thing about teaching kids and what have they taught you? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, gosh, that's a great question. Um, so the, the thing that, that, that is most fun um, that kids teach me every single day. And and I include my daughter in that is, is just the, the, um, the honesty of (laughs) questions Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that they have um, and the, the, the peace and the stillness that is so hard to maintain that is really required to answer their questions in a, <laughs> in a, in a real helpful yeah. way. So, you know, my, my daughter will ask me big freaking questions <laughs> that, that, that I have to answer, Yeah, you know? Right. And I can't, I can't sidestep um, uh, because, and she'll remember <laughs> what I say. Right. So, 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 you know, the, the discipline of sort of being at peace and trying to be, have a clear sort of perspective about the world. Um, uh, I wish that I had, um, I wish that, that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an old dad. I'm 50. I'll be 54 tomorrow. Oh my God. You're so old. Um, I know I am. I'm Happy so birthday. Ancient. But you know, I wonder, like I, you know, when I look back, I wonder how fundamentally my life would have changed right. had I had my daughter, you know, 20 years ago or something yeah. like that. Okay. It's most <laughs> fun to see kids when, when you give them a skill and they recognize that they get it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right? They understand that, oh, wait a minute. I am now good at this mm-hmm. and you see their independence mm-hmm. and you see them act on it. That's the most satisfying thing uh, with teaching kids for me. Um, and those are not like, Oh gosh, now I know how to build a set or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's anything mm-hmm. um, just their sense of, I now have learned this thing mm-hmm. and, and I know how to make it help me. That's really satisfying to me. Yeah, I can see why. And how old is your daughter? She's six. Wow, that's such a good age. And is she in the company? She, um, she's she's not. She's done a number of um, uh, of camps and classes, um, um, but she's not. She's not a regular. Oh my gosh, <laughs> she needs to be there every. Day. I'm going to call her up right now. <laughs> She you have to be here every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's so cute. Um, you know, and and um, um, she's she's uh, um, you know really just trying to right now guide her to um, uh, these extracurricular uh, a variety of extracurricular activities that that um, she may like. I um, 
um, she likes the theater, but it's it's um, she likes the the uh, classes that we do. Uh, at that age, they're they're super you know about creative play more mm-hmm. so than let's make a play right right um she uh she loves dance um i'm trying to um guide her towards uh, you know to, we're trying to dip our toes in some of the sports stuff now um, so we say I wouldn't mind her getting some uh martial arts in oh, her yeah. you yeah. know uh, we're doing it we're working on it very cool very cool Okay, we have to take a quick break, but we will be back after this message. Hey, this is Kimberly, the host of the show you're listening to right now. Are you my patron on Patreon? Just visit patreon.com slash start me up. Check out the tiers and become a patron today. I'll be your best friend. I swear to God. If you want to stay up to date with the messiest drama on the internet, or what about those crazy viral challenges? Then be sure to tune in to TMZ Verified, the podcast. I'm Wild. I'm Steph. And each week we're either breaking down the spicy viral stories or we're hanging out with the most popular influencers around. Tana Mojo is in the building. I don't even know if they're hating. They're probably just telling the truth, but we love the haters too. Sophia Franklin. Yeah, I mean, we can talk, but like, let's be real with each other, you know? Bryce Hall is here, y'all. Make some noise, people. I'm, I'm single, by the way. Right. So if you like viral drama, influencer culture, and just overall hot messiness, check out new episodes of TMZ Verified every Thursday right here on Spotify. Okay, we're back. All right, so now I want to talk about you. I have some questions, um, and this is just going to be fun for me, too, because I remember talking to you about this, and I want to find out about your acting career, but before we get into that, um, I know you lived abroad when you were younger, and so did I. I had the opportunity to live in Russia. uh, It was Soviet Russia for just about nine months. Um, So I want you to talk about your experience. I want you to say where you are because I don't want to get it wrong and why you were there and what it was like. Okay. So um, uh, when, when I was 10 years old, my family for my dad's oil job (laughs) moved to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. (laughs) And, and we were there for five years um, we wow. moved there from Houston, Texas. Hmm. Uh, and, and I remember when, when we were having the family meeting about <laughs> moving to this strange place, dad was like, it's like Hawaii. <laughs> it was not like Hawaii. <laughs> the, the culture shock was great. Yeah, I'm sure. But, but the, but we, we quickly learned to love the place mm-hmm. and and love the community too that we were um the thrust into um both the the local community as well as the expat uh community uh and my parents loved it so much that after i went to college they did two more five-year stints abroad wow. um uh one in kenya and then the other one in uh in nairobi and the other one in madrid uh and and i really loved especially i mean i loved being there but you mm-hmm. know when you're there you're a kid mm-hmm. right it's just life you have friends um, yeah. um and your friends are your friends and you can't really understand how it might have been different elsewhere but right. uh i remember i remember spending vacations on beaches with with phosphorescent surf wow <laughs> uh, you know just and this was just like you know get in the car drive for 
six hours and then got on a boat and you know and 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 uh chug along for another two hours and then you're at this 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 idyllic island <laughs> i remember going to uh the food oh, oh my wow, god the malaysian food such as such a wonderful sort of indonesian sort of Yum. uh south asian uh tangy sweetness oh the best <laughs> um so i i really and i really um I grew a fondness for not only Malaysian food, which is harder to get in the United States, um, but but also um, cultivated a great love for um, Indian food. And where I live now, in northwest Arkansas, there is a significant Indian population, Mm -hmm. um, and the Indian food here is terrific. But um, I, I love living in Malaysia, and in hindsight, it gave me one of the perspectives that I wish more Americans were able to gain. Mm-hmm. And that's just that there are other ways to live. Mm-hmm. Right? Other places have different types of life. Not saying that we need to live differently here, although there are some things that we need to start freaking doing differently. Yeah. But but just having your ears you know, goes back to the to the uh, d- the diversity and the book banning thing, right? Mm-hmm. We, we need exposure to other perspectives. We need exposure to other cultures. Mm-hmm. It's necessary for a thriving community. Um, uh, so, so I got that in spades going to um, um, uh, uh, Malaysia. Yeah, I was going to say, what did living abroad teach you? And I guess that's what it is. And it's interesting because my experience, I was 12 years old when I lived in Soviet Russia and it, I think the thing that I took from it, the most significant thing outside of just understanding, you know, what it was like to live in a communist country was I I fully understood what being a patriot meant. And as you know, when you're 12 years old, you're not really thinking about how patriotic you are. And, uh, you know, you're just going to the 7-Eleven and getting candy and stuff. And so (laughs) I and that's funny because that's exactly what I did. As soon as I came back, um, my stepmother was pregnant when we lived there. And so. I was there for one full school year. And in March, we came back to the States just for a month so she could give birth. And the first thing I did was I went to the 7-Eleven and I got so much junk food. (laughs) I made myself sick. But I did understand. um, So I had a different experience in that, you know, when Malaysia obviously is different. So I was unable to say, oh, my God, this is an awesome culture. And I, I, I can see how other people live. I mean, what I saw was grayness and people looking on the ground and basically people who were just held under the thumb of communism and so um, but still living abroad especially when you're young I think I I mean I almost wish that everybody like you said everybody should have to do it just so they can get a different perspective and understand that you know it's different elsewhere and it's okay (laughs) that's right and 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 also there's 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 you learn good and bad things yeah you know you learn you you know you learn oh my gosh and communist russia living under the thumb of that oh my gosh i think that they probably banned some freaking books (laughs) right (laughs) and then their paper pravda is just basically our fox news but yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i learned pravda means truth and it was just filled with lies so it was it was definitely uh, I was really happy to have that experience. But OK, now I want to ask you to I know you grew up um, in, well there and then you also lived in Texas and I know you went to yep. school in Texas. Yep. So I want to know what how did you get the acting bug? When did you start with that? What was your inspiration? <laughs> um, I think that there was um, there there was never really a time, you know, from my mom saying that, you know, 
Paul, in the Christmas play, you were the only wise man that I could hear, <laughs> you know, all the way up through, um, through, you know, college and, uh, and after, I mean, I don't think I, I've had very few real jobs. You're um, very lucky. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've had very, very few jobs. I've been lucky to say that I've been, I've had very few jobs mm -hmm. outside of the theater. I have very little money. <laughs> right. Um, um, but, but, um, yeah, I, I kind of knew that that was the trajectory from the beginning. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. So you just felt it. Now, when you, when you were studying, what kind of acting did you study? Did you like study a style of acting like yeah. Meisner or Method? Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, uh, it Stanislavski based American realism, you know, so, um, so, it, you know, not so much method, but just the, uh, you know, how to, how to, it's Stanislavski, right? Okay, so, right. so method is based on that. Um, and, and it has, it's such a loaded, um, it's such a loaded word in the United States, <laughs> uh, method acting, right? But, <laughs> but what, what we learned, um, in at my graduate school, which is where I did sort of my most intensive studying of the art form, was was like examining um, uh, how um, uh, emotional reactions are created, hmm. both naturally and in a designed sort of way. Mm -hmm. And and how they are structured narratively, wow. right? So so you know how you um, try to as an actor break down a scene so that you are able to build the life within it, achieving the moments that you see that you want to bring forth to tell the story that you read from you this character, right? Um, um, and, and it's, it's, it's a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty simple formula that's, you know, endlessly complex to, mm -hmm. to activate, you know? Wow. Uh, you know, it's fascinating to listen to you talk about that because I studied Meisner and with the coach that I studied with, I was actually really happy to find out two things. Number one, while I was studying, I went to, I can't remember the name of it, but it was, a it was a playhouse in Los Angeles and I know Jeff Goldblum is one of the coaches and they teach Meisner. I was really kind of afraid to go because I thought, oh, this is going to be superior to what I'm experiencing. And the day that I went to just check out the classes, um, I was actually quite surprised that I actually felt it was inferior. And the reason I say that is because my I know my coach stuck to Sanford Meisner's technique very, very closely. And yeah. You know, for instance, if we were up there, we, we do these things called repetition. And for those of you who don't know, it's basically where you just, you know, if, if you're just standing there and doing a repetition, it's I say, I feel nervous. And then you say, you feel nervous. I feel nervous. And you have to at least repeat once and you have to focus on emotions or you, you focus on what the other person appears to look like or feel or you can do that. But you can't say something like, fuck you. You'd have to say you're making me angry because you have to get in touch with your emotions. And so I went to go view one of those classes, audit one of those classes, and these, these <clears throat> actors were just saying things like, fuck you. They weren't getting to their um, emotion. And then the coach, after 
they were finished would say, now tell me why you're so great, why you did such a good, and it was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was actually like, wow, I'm really learning well. And then when I had moved to Northern California years and years later, and there was this man, I wish I remembered his name, but he was fantastic. He did a one-man show and he played Sanford Meisner. And from watching what you know he was teaching, I did really recognize, I think I got a great coach. But I didn't, uh, I didn't experience what you just talked about, about, you know, how your emotions are built and all of that. That's fascinating to me. And I, I, I kind of wish I would know how to do that. But we were just coming from, um, I don't know, I, I, I don't know the best way, just like in the moment, you know, going for being in the moment and, and really being that person um, yeah. that you're playing. And how would you feel if this happened? Which is funny to me because on a side note, which I won't get into too much, I'm in this whole like, I don't know, um, spiritual journey. And I hate the word spiritual, but I, I, I hate see, the word journey, <laughs> but I feel <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're playing these characters anyway. You know, you're playing the character of Paul Savas, the, you know, executive director of the trike theater. I'm Kimberly, the podcaster who's also a writer and has a big mouth and a dirty mouth and all that stuff. And so it's like, <laughs> we're already playing the role. And so I think you just like kind of swap it out and change that role. And I just, um, yeah. I just want to get a different writer sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no shit, huh? <laughs> I have to stop. Right? I have to stop. I mean, please, let me get so let me let me <laughs> let me uh get that that writer needs a vacation. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Especially these days with the crazy news happening. Oh my god, it's just so it's freaking crazy. crazy. Uh, you know, may you be cursed to live in interesting, in interesting times. times huh? Yes, exactly. That's where we are. All right, so what about now I'm not too familiar with uh, what you've done work-wise. I mean, I know yeah. you were in The Merchant of Venice. I saw that on your Facebook page. and um, Or maybe it was on YouTube. I don't remember. I don't, but, I don't know. Um, and that was really impressive. That was really, I was really impressed. And then that was fun. It looked fun. You did a great job, obviously. Well, thank um, you. But what have you done? What kind of stage performance? Have you done movies? What have you done? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, um, I, I have not been in anything anybody will know. Okay. So other um, than the Merchant there, of Venice, well, there, there, there's <laughs> what's that? I said other than the Merchant of Venice. <laughs> well, I mean, not, not I know that, what like, you mean. I know that anybody has really right. seen, right? I know. Um, I've been in a ton of things people have heard about mm -hmm. uh, in terms of titles, right? But um, you know, I was part of the uh, the the I don't have money thing <laughs> is uh, twofold. It's because the the type of theater that i was drawn to from an you know from the early age as a young adult was was, was the sort of theater that that doesn't make money mm -hmm. right so yeah. some like off 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 stuff mm -hmm. um um and uh, and um and so after um and also i'm you know i'm just i'm mediocre Right. I'm a mediocre <laughs> actor. Right. I'm not great. Right. I've I had some flashes of brilliance, I think, but I'm not that great. Right. Uh, which is totally fine. Um, so after after graduate school, I, I joined the National Theater of the Deaf for right. about two and a half years. And that was such a wonderful experience, first of all, because I had health insurance. Right. They offered health mm -hmm. insurance. Um, uh, but then also I had a steady job for two and a half years. And uh, and there was a there was a it's just you're an actor in a show and and I played a, I was a voicing actor 
Um, and so the the death actors were cast physically in all of the uh, the main the main roles, mm-hmm. but the two the the at minimum two well at minimum one at maximum four. Uh, hearing actors were placed in the scene in small roles, sometimes as furniture, <laughs> you know, g- given whatever the play was, mm-hmm. um, and and provide the the oral English performance of what is being done on you know I- in sign language, mm-hmm. right? So all of the character choices are really made by the deaf actor. Um, hmm. uh, and then, and then sort of like translated into, into English acting, you know, hearing acting. Rather. Yeah. Um, and, and so there was a certain discipline that came with that because, you know, there I am doing four, sometimes four different voices in a, in a scene, you know, making sure that they're different audibly, but not fake. Right. And all of this kind of stuff. Um, did that and then and then basically uh, you know put my finger to the wind and just went wherever the work was and so I was you know one of those vagabond uh, uh, theater uh, actors um, learned learned uh, to get my directing chops up learned fight choreography um, learned to play the didgeridoo which I did for money a couple of times um, hmm. uh, did was an editor for a, a publishing house called limelight editions which just um uh printed uh, uh theater books um uh and well i was a reader first and then he let me edit a, a single book which was fun <laughs> um and um and so i've done it you know and then teaching and then you know got um um after 9 11 um you know all, all i mean thank god the only thing that i i lost physically was well you know was um uh, work right um so i i went to um uh um i was living in new york city um um and went into some debt in uh, because of not being able to work and uh, um uh having um uh, being an actor and living in new york <laughs> city I took a three-year teaching position at, at one of the SUNY schools, one of the state uh, universities in New York, mm-hmm. and then and then picked up that aspect. And then um, uh, my um, my then wife, divorced now, um, uh, she and I met when uh, when I lived up in upstate New York, and then we uh, um, uh, for a while we lived again in the uh, New York City metropolitan area. But then I learned that there was this. Uh, uh, I took a I took a uh, a directing gig at Clemson University in in uh, Clemson, South Carolina, and and found a theater that was looking for um, a, an executive director and an artistic director, and they wanted it to be the same person. Hmm. Um, and um, talked them into hiring me, talked hmm. them into paying me more than they the original offer. And um, and then and then um, my wife said, "Yeah, let's go for it." And uh, and so we moved to Greenville, South Carolina, wow. which is where I kind of took the the next turn in my career away from sort of freelance artist to the uh, sort of the 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 art, arts leader, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, led that uh, organization to. Um, uh, where it currently is, uh, and you know, it was a it was a failing ship when I took mm-hmm. over, um, and we turned it around and really made it vital in the community again, and and then I sort of passed it off to the to the next uh, uh, to the next uh, um, uh, uh, after about ten years, passed it off to the next crew, 
uh, that's when my my um, um, my daughter was here too. So we were like, you know, moved up here to take over a children's theater. You know, mm-hmm. like you do. <laughs> and also, also as as executive and artistic director, you know, you're you're there from first light to right, yeah. final final rehearsal, mm-hmm. right? So so um, you know, and in these theaters at this size. You know the the budget size of that theater when I when I when I was hired was like three fifty three hundred and fifty thousand a year right mm-hmm. and when I left it it was one point one wow um and and but still at those at those rates you know there's a at those budget sizes you're you're still if you want to serve your community mm-hmm. um in the proper way and want to um um really really serve the local um the local artists as well or cast kids all of the rehearsals are happening after school Mm -hmm. and after work and at night Mm -hmm. right and so that was something that i promised myself that i would not do Mm -hmm. you know for my daughter so when when this opportunity came up to just be the executive director like oh yeah hey I'll do that mm-hmm. that makes sense <laughs> let's let's have that change of life um, <laughs> and then and then Bentonville is a ridiculously cool little corner of Northwest Arkansas hmm. I recommend everybody make a trip to come visit maybe um, maybe one day I, yeah I've never even thought of it but I mean everything that I've seen that you post it looks really pretty and quaint and fun and artistic well, the, the um the one of the things about it is um regardless of what you think about walmart <laughs> and and there are many different things to think yeah. about walmart right um they're based here mm-hmm. and they're able to hire executive talent from anywhere on the planet mm-hmm. so they have made sure that the community here um is attractive to oh, um look at that yeah. you know anyone mm-hmm. right and so has the that amenities yeah right that are required uh one of the country's greatest american art museums is here hmm. it's called crystal bridges museum of american art um we have uh, one of the best uh, mountain bike trail systems on the planet hmm. here um the art scene is particularly great um, um i mean we're a small community, so yeah. you know we're not competing with New York and LA right. in terms of quality of art and food and that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But but what we have is really really excellent. So I recommend everybody bring their mountain bike, come visit, see some art. <laughs> and then I just have to ask you, what is the the weather like in the summer and the winter? Does it get really humid? Is does it snow? Does it smell? Snow. <laughs> Does it snow? <laughs> does Arkansas does it smell bad? Does it smell bad? <laughs> Every place smells bad once in a while. We no, all need it, baths. Does, does it snow um, in the wintertime? It 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 um it doesn't snow as much as I wish, but it <laughs> yeah, would. Right. Um I, I like the cold. Me too, yeah. Um I don't like to like you know, I don't I don't wanna have to shovel snow mm-hmm. all the time. Right. But um, uh, look, uh, in this in the in the winter, it will snow 
you know, maybe we'll get one snow of like five inches. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Bad, yeah. I, I remember when I said I left New York City to, uh, you know, after 9-11 to take that three-year mm-hmm. teaching gig. It was in SUNY Oswego. Mm-hmm. My first winter there, there was 181 inches of oh snow. Oh, my God. I do not like that. <laughs> I have lived, but I can deal with it. Yeah. Right? I right. can deal with it. Right. I, I've lived in the South now since 2007 you know regularly mm-hmm. and i've i used to i used to make fun of it <laughs> but i have come to love how southerners deal with snow which is which is <laughs> if there's like 20 percent chance of snow <laughs> the town's gonna shut down <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> right? It's just like, it's like, and then, and then if there is snow, just stay home. Just right. Stay, you're staying home for a week. If there's, if there's like, if there's like half an inch of snow right. on a Tuesday, you lose Monday because you're, you're stocking up, you know, you run into the store and then Tuesday through Friday are totally gone because nobody's leaving their home. Right. And I have really come to love this. That's hilarious. Way of dealing with snow. Um, in the, in the, in the winter, I mean, in the summer, it'll get into the nineties, um, you know, for a few weeks and, and there'll be, um, some humidity and bugs, but it's really not terrible. Oh, that's um, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I hate it's, it's a really nice temperate place. I hate humidity. It's and no I, L.A. <laughs> no, so I, well, Southern of course. California. So, let, so now you've lived in L.A. and you've lived uh-huh. in New York. Would, which one did you prefer and why? Okay. Um, if I had to live in a metropolis again and my two choices were L.A. and New York, I'd move to L.A. Why? Space. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I don't like being so claustrophobic. Yeah. And 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 yes, New York City does smell. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> right. I don't have the money to live in New York City to to match sort of the quality of life that I can afford here. Right. I probably don't have the money to do, do that in, in L.A., in Angeles, but I can get yeah. closer to it. Yeah. Um, I love I love the I love the I. I really want to be able to control my level of interaction with people, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. in New York city, it, you, you're, there's just too many people yeah. for me. Interesting. You know, yeah, it's kind I, of the I same in LA, it's you true. know, I yeah. mean, it, they're just really big places. Yeah. But it, LA is just absolutely more spread out. There is, Correct. um, yeah. The only thing, the thing is like, I desperately miss, well, the weather. I, I don't know if you've been watching the show Shrinking. I've talked about it on my show a couple of times. I, I, absolutely, I love it. Oh, I love it. And it's set in Pasadena. And Pasadena is just so beautiful. It's such a unique place. It's kind of like I always said it was kind of like the East Coast meets the West Coast. And there's so much yeah. architecture and the beauty. And I just love the whole backdrop of palm trees and mountains. And I just eat my heart I, we just finished watching the last shrinking and i'm like no i love that show so much and i just, and i get my fix and i miss it so much but um the thing is is now fires are just the, when i lived in northern california um we were living in santa rosa and there was a firestorm which was the worst experience we were about four miles away from it but it leaped over the freeway and it just took out entire neighborhoods it looked like it was apocalyptic it was unbelievable and before i left los angeles 
like before I left Northern California to come here, we had a big fire. And then before I left Los Angeles to go to Northern California, there was a fire right outside of my window. The entire oh, it was the San, you know, it was awful. San Gabriel Mountains were on fire, and I remember I was chasing it. I went up and talked to a firefighter, thinking, "Oh, I'm totally safe." So I but asked him. He was him, hot, though, right? <laughs> yes, he was very hot. And uh, yeah. he he I said to him, thinking I was safe. I asked him, "Hey, I live over there." what are the chances of the fire hitting me? And I was like convinced he was going to be like, oh, don't even worry. There's not even an issue. And he's like, anything can happen. <laughs> I was like, oh. Right. So, yeah. And, and I did find out that in the firestorm because I believe there were winds of like 80 miles an hour and that just jumped freeways and took out whole neighborhoods. Jumped. Yeah. So in that story, I thought like it was going to turn into one of to that uh, TikTok um, <laughs> meme, if that's what you call a TikTok, um, where <laughs> Like he turns and he pauses and then he says, run. Yeah, pretty much. That's what it is. Yeah. So as much as I miss it there, I feel like I just, and, and the thing is, is even if you live in the flats, you're going to breathe the air in. So this is what I tell myself when I'm really, when it's really humid and I hate it so much in the summer. Uh, that's what I tell myself. I don't want yeah. to be near the fire. <laughs> well, you know, um, speaking of natural disasters, <laughs> Um, we're, we, we, we're very close to Joplin. Remember when Joplin was wiped out by those tornadoes? Yes. Right. So, so we're, we're like, that's like a 55 hour drive from here. Wow. However, right where we are, there's like the, the topography breaks up Mm -hmm. the weather systems that produce um, tornadoes. Oh, that's so, good. Yeah. so, so like Bentonville, like, like 30 minutes South has them from time to time. Mm-hmm. An hour North has them from time to time, but, but tornadoes here in the, the sort of Benton County are few and far between. Yeah. I mean, rare, I right. mean, if ever. So yeah. we're, so we're, uh, we're pretty safe too. Yeah. I mean, now just being a human being, you have to take in cause into consideration the climate situation and i think where i live right now which is basically in the dc area i live in maryland but it's the dc area um it's pretty good i mean i i don't love the rain in the summer but as far as danger i think we don't really right. have too much danger to deal with so just um, crime yeah just crime and right. yeah, and then lots of humidity <laughs> and lots fucking of mosquitoes humidity. Ugh, the mosquitoes i just can't take you know i think the entire time that i lived in california i don't think i had one mosquito bite and yeah they love me so yeah no no mosquitoes no mosquitoes in california no i mean in uh, southern california no it's just i just miss it so much but okay we're not going to go there because i'll just start crying so um no, no tears <laughs> there are no tears required in this interview <laughs> No, I won't cry. Um, and I didn't even cry on my patrons only show today when I was talking about uh, the horror of putting on a bridal dress, uh, uh, you know, like a bridesmaid dress. So didn't uh, even cry then. I cried uh, yes. this weekend, though. I did cry this weekend, but I didn't cry on my show, which I have been known to do. I cry on the show occasionally. Well, um, you know, if you if you get started up. <laughs> you will cry from time to time. Right? That's true. Right. <laughs> very, I mean, very, very and- true. And, right. and people need to people expect a certain amount of a little bit of tears from me. Yeah. You know what? I completely lost my shit when um, I think it was when Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away and then Mitt Romney said, yeah, let's go. Ahead, let's go ahead and vote on the um, you know ACA. 
and I couldn't keep it together. I just, I mean, I was like sobbing. So yeah, <laughs> and thankfully, thankfully it, it's intact, but for the most part, but that really well, scared me. Yeah. Well, when you're thinking about, I think that the, um, the, the, the SCOTUS requires a bit of tears right now. Yes. Lots of tears, lots and lots of them. Yeah. Christmas. Just horrible. Okay, so we're going to move away from tears. The last thing I'm going to do, okay, I, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, so I'm just springing this on you. But okay, um, it'll be, it's going to be fun. So I, I don't know if you ever watched um, Inside the Actor Studio, but I have. Uh, okay, well I figured you did. And James Lipton would always ask the Bernard Pivot questions. So I'm yes. going to ask you those questions. Sure. All right. So this will be our last little bit here. Okay, starting. What is your favorite word? My favorite word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought you were going to say curse words, so I was ready for it. Um, <laughs> what is my favorite word? Um, I have no idea. I should just open up a dictionary and just choose a word. What is my favorite word? Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have to make one up. Okay. Um, not a word. I won't make up a word. Um, I guess. Um, you know. Nancy is my favorite word because she—that's my daughter's name. Right. Um, um, we we uh, we say bye to each other in a really fun way. So bye is fun for how me. Do you, how do you say it? Boy. <laughs> well, like idiots. You like taught me little idiots. You taught me a word that I used ever since you used it, which was lexicon. We, lexicon. I had the never, word itself is lexicon. Yeah, I had never heard of that. I had never heard that word before. And I remember years ago, back in the early 2000s, you used the word lexicon and I looked it up and now I right. use it. So you taught that word to me. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to to get um, I wanted to to start a movement that that um, turned the word skirt into an adjective. <laughs> because why? I don't know. I was like, man, that was so skirt. I don't know because I, I, cause I don't know. Too much tequila. I don't know. It never caught on, huh? No, it didn't. I, I wonder why. Okay, what's your least favorite word? Um, it, I would, I would, I would have said um, no. Um, but I've come to love the word no. <laughs> Um, so, um, I think my least favorite word is going to be, um, um, audit. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Even though there's nothing bad has been, you know, right. you know, it's not about unearthing yeah. badness or right. crime, or anything like that. It's just such a terrible. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone fears that. Weeks. Okay. What's your favorite curse word? You know what? I'm going to have to say the C word, but I'm not going to say it out loud. <laughs> and why is it the C word? I don't know. I think it's got, it's just got, it's got, uh, it's got real good power. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I don't use it. Um, um, I don't use it flippantly and I don't mm -hmm. typically call people it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to say, you know, he's a nasty C word, right? right? I will use it in in um, in other heated situations. <laughs> okay. If well, you get my drift, I get your drift. Right. So, uh, what turns you on? Speaking of other heated things, oh, um, uh, in what way? Uh, this is just the question. What turns you on? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, 
a uh, uh, I'm kind of got I kind of can't get my mind out of the last question. <laughs> Watermelon, should I say? Um, okay, a fine well... wine. Um, a uh, um, uh, thoughtful care. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. So when we finish this questionnaire, I'm telling the yeah. watermelon story. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> What's, what sound do you love? Nancy's laugh. What sound do you hate? Uh, um, um, mm-hmm. um, uh, a certain orange bloviator. <laughs> I just like psychically knew you were going to say that. Um, what profession? Uh, <laughs> what profession other than yours would you like to attempt? Oh God, I would love, and and my time is not yet over. Mm-hmm. I would love to open a game store. Wow, that could be fun. Um, something that is uh, really cool to walk into. Not the current kind of game stores where, you know, um, like a place where, where, and when I say game store, I mean like role playing games, mm-hmm. tabletop games, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a place where, where like, where like women would like to go, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> a place with really, really good drinks, a place with oh, some wow. healthy food, um, a wide variety of, of, uh, gaming tables meant for different types of games, um, and and just you know a real a real a real good community fun vibe going on. Hmm. Okay, so what, and I may do it. I may just do it. That would be really cool. Okay, yeah. what profession would you not like to participate in? I would definitely not like to um, um, be an auditor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an accountant an accountant wouldn't be i guess terrible right. um but um you know i i've always thought that i might be a good lawyer too mm-hmm. um hmm. um but i don't think i really have the heart for it right um um you know i i certainly wouldn't want to work in a restaurant yeah me neither I mean, there are other things too. I, I, you know, honestly, I, I, I don't think I'd like to run a, a, a dump, or a water <laughs> reclamation facility. You know, I don't think I would like to be a subway train driver. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that would be fun either. But you never yeah. know. For some people, they might like it. So. Well, I think that some people have like a thing about subways, and right. it's like there would be a dream. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, I I wanted to ask you about this because okay. of your time in Soviet Russia. Mm-hmm. Was you, was were your parents spies? Yes. <laughs> You're gonna have to kill me now. <laughs> no, exactly. No, they're not spies. My dad. Yeah. My dad worked for. Well, my dad worked for ABC News as a cameraman, Please. and my stepmom is an editor. But over there, she was just a, a young mom. Yeah, I think that those are spies. Um, I, as a kid, I wanted to be a spy or an astronaut. Wow, very cool. Yeah. What What did yeah. you want to ask me about Russia? If your parents were spies. Oh, if my parents were spies, yeah. Well, it was my stepmother, so there's that. But um, she's not a spy. Uh, okay, last question here. <laughs> if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I'm not a dick. <laughs> You're and not, here, let me show you're not you a why. dick, Paul. 
What? You're not a dick, Paul. <laughs> no, not me. The him. Oh, him. God's the not a God. dick. Okay, so why, why, why do you want to hear that? You know, bone cancer in children. That's true. Yeah, I, I see. You know, saying, you yeah. know, all all powerful, right. but yet still, right. you know. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So now I'm just going to say back in the day, back in the early 2000s, I had been invited to your home for dinner and you made this lovely dinner and we were eating dinner and I went off on this whole tangent about how fruit is not dessert. And I mean, I was really adamant because it was like, I want sugar. I want fat. I want carbohydrates. I don't want fruit. Fruit isn't dessert. Fruit is something you eat for breakfast. I mean, I just wouldn't stop. And then, <laughs> you know, you're clearing the table and you're like, I don't know if you're going to like what I'm serving for dessert. And you bring out a <laughs> plate of watermelon. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> I just always laugh thinking about like putting my foot in my mouth. Oh my God, that was so funny. But thankfully you didn't get too offended. And I did eat the watermelon. But I still- It was I still, delicious. It was delicious. And I still think though- that dessert has to be fattening. It just has to be fattening. Because so, what is your what what is your dessert of choice currently? Um, well, right now, um, I'm not really eating dessert, but I do enjoy. I've always enjoyed ice cream. I can't eat dairy, so I just eat the alternatives, and they make some great ones now. Um, uh, yes. But I happen to be a very good baker, and so my motto on baking it is is as, as fattening as you can make it like as oh, yeah. yummy and fattening and my secret ingredient is usually it's so funny it's rum flavoring i used to put that <gasps> oh. in it's like it brings out the butter and people yes. people think it's so funny people would eat my cookies and think they were feeling drunk and it's like it's just rum flavoring there's no alcohol in it <laughs> your brain is playing with you yes so, but yes, that, that's definitely, uh, definitely. I love dessert. I wish I didn't, but I, I'm a sugar person. So I'm hey, cutting it all out. Dessert is fine. It dessert is. is good to love. It is. And I do love you, it. You know, what I, you know what I ate right before this, like moments before we began this interview? Hmm. A lime popsicle. Yum. Yum. I love popsicles too. You know what? There's a popsicle that I do enjoy and it's chocolate. And it's not like a fudge sickle. It's yeah. icy and it's really yummy. I don't know who makes it, but it's in the. Did you, did you say it's spicy? No, it's just. I said it's icy. It's like icy, I, as opposed to. I'll put a hearing problem, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's like not creamy like a fudge sickle. Oh but yeah, yeah. It's yeah, really. Yeah. It's like a very. I wish I could remember the name, but I find it in the health section, and I think it's only like sixty calories and. It's Perfect. sugar, but it's delicious, and I love it. So it does kind of hit that sugar need if you don't want to go too fattening. But yeah, I, I will look for it in the health in the health section. Yes, the frozen <laughs> health section of my neighborhood. The chocolate Walmart popsicles market. are amazing. Well, Paul, it was just such a joy talking to you, and I loved it interviewing you. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, let me see. Before I let you go, tell everybody where they can find you. And the theater. Absolutely. Uh, we are trikeTheater.org. We spell theater the pretentious way, although we are not. <laughs> so so check out uh, check out the um, the theater stuff there. If you want, if you were if your interest was piqued about the gaming stuff, mm -hmm. uh, check out my socials at, at palindrome RPG. At palindrome, and that's because your name is Savis. 
because my last name is a palindrome. Yes, yes it is. Um, and then I know you also have, um, do you have Instagram? You have your stuff on Instagram, right? With the game? Yes, both, both trike uh, um, uh, and palindrome. Uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, and, uh, and the Twitter. Awesome. And then I, of course, I'm author Kimberly on Twitter. I am Kimberly Johnson, L-E-Y, don't forget, on Spoutable, which I prefer right now, but still stuck on Twitter. And my books are on Amazon. Paul, it was awesome talking to you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Tremendous pleasure.